You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. And we're live. This is The Human Condition. I'm Vince Orlando. I'm stepping into 2020 like a boss in my head. <laughs> I'm Sean Davis. I'm Steve, and I'm just glad 2019's over. Yeah? yeah. It was that bad, huh? Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, I'm just really excited for the video games that are coming out in 2020. That, that, that'll do it. Yeah, twenty. you know, 2020, um, there's some spiritual significance behind those numbers, right? But, uh, but it is just a year, like any other year. Um, but yeah, it's, it's cool that everybody gets motivated, you know, they think this is going to be the year. I, I think that's a misguided, um, that's a misguided Way to, to barometer to set your your successes and your failures and what you're going to do with your life. It's the, it's this uh, tom, the the land of tomorrow, um, you know, which the procrastinators. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I'll was, get to it eventually. Yeah, yeah I'll it, get to it. But that being said, it you know, for a lot of people, it, it's the thing that sparks that change. You know, so, well, it's, a, lot so it's people, cool. a lot of people need a starting line, right? Like, oh, I'll do it Monday, and some people can do that, some people can't. But you know, the new year, it's heavy. Like, you feel it. Everybody knows about it. So I, I kind of feel like it's a, it's an easier starting line than most. I think it's a cool thing. But you don't know. you think because you're programmed from Thanksgiving, like you know, right around Thanksgiving that the holiday season's coming up. You know, the New Year's coming around. That once you get through the holidays and the chaos or lack thereof, that new year brings in new energy and all that other kind of stuff. And it, but it does though. You know what I mean? It, it, it is new energy based on a day, right? Just like a holiday will bring in new energy, energy just based on our conception of what that's supposed to be. So on this day, we're supposed to give thanks. So there's new energy, whether it's manufactured by that date or not, you know, I, I, th- I think it is. I think it's because we know that it's – we've agreed that today is the yeah. first day of the new year because if we were on an island and we were looking around, we'd have no idea unless you're keeping track of the sun or something. Well, I mean if you're in space, there's no north, south, east. What, you know, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, it's, all, it's all years. perspective. It's all relative. Right. But this is, this is the world we live in, right? This is our, this is our frequency. This is our domain. But – yeah, that's um, not what we're talking about today, it's though, not, is it? It's, well, we, we did, but uh, but no, t- today we're talking about limiting beliefs. And uh, some people will call them our stories. Um, limiting beliefs are exactly – they're pretty self-explanatory. They're beliefs that you carry, whether they're your own or they've been manufactured by your environment, uh, your upbringing, which typically they are. They're, they are things that you believe in as absolute truths and they are guideposts for the way that you live your life. So a limiting belief is one that says, well, you can't do that because you're not this, right? So John Bradshaw talks about, you know, when we talk about toxic shame, he talks about everybody assumes roles as, as children through their care, care, caregivers. Now, some people are the scapegoat. Some are the, the, uh, Overachiever, the underachiever, the black sheep, we yeah, the the savior. You know, we, we get all these these things assigned to us as children, and before we can we we have any moral compass or ability to decipher whether, whether this is accurate or not, we just assume it. We assume it and we live it. And 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 so, if I'm an overachiever, which I became when I was younger, as a means to offset how insecure I was and how rejected I felt as a child. And so I, I became an overachiever. I had to do more, 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 more. Um, I assumed that role. The negativity to that, what created the toxic shame is when I couldn't come through, which you can't do, you can't have success all the time. You just can't. So when I would say, I'm going to do this project and it didn't happen, I didn't just say, okay, we'll move on to the next one. I'm a piece of shit. I'm a piece of shit. But what it also did was in, in talking about limiting beliefs is it taught me that, well, you're not that. So you can't do this. You're so for me, you're from the east side of Detroit, grew up dirt poor, right? Digging out of, on public assistance, digging out of uh, goodwill drop boxes for school clothes. Right. Um, so college, for example, wasn't 
you're from Hazel Park. wasn't University wasn't a thing. A lot of uh, it wasn't a common thing for kids to aspire to in our neighborhood. A lot of people went to the trades, which is great. But I wanted to go to university. I didn't want to be in the trades. I wanted to go to the university and I wanted to study and and uh, but my parents they didn't know they didn't know the first thing about a financial aid form. They couldn't say they definitely couldn't pay for me to get there. Right. Now a limiting belief would say, well. I'm from this neighborhood. Everybody else is doing this. I can't do this. Yeah, and and I, I did. I went up there and I hustled. I went up there and I hustled my first check for tuition and uh, room and board on the day of. Like I, they still hadn't given me my check yet, and I went between administration buildings and I figured it out. But I could have very easily fallen into the limiting belief that I'm from here. This really isn't a reality for Where'd me anyway. Go? I went to Northern Michigan University. Oh, up in the UP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a good time. It was a good time. I mean, I, <laughs> I stayed up there for a year till I hurt my back in a car accident. I couldn't play football anymore, and uh, you know, I just made the team, and then my legs gave out. So I was trying to make up for the days where I sucked in high school, and it was a dream of mine. And then, and then, uh, then they couldn't let me play because of this car accident damaged my spine, and uh, so that's when I said, you know what? I'll, I'll, I think I'm going to do this acting thing. I took an acting class <laughs> the next semester. And, uh, and my, my, uh, professor came up after it, it was like our thesis, whatever, uh, play did a play called Edmund and I lost myself. You know, I, I didn't even know what I had just done on stage, but I know I was petrified to be up there, but I lost myself in whatever this thing was. And she came up to me after she said, you might want to try this out for real. And I had always had in my head because people called me Hollywood because I, you know, I dress different, <laughs> whatever. So I, I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll try. But I, I was always too scared to pursue the drama thing. I, did, I wouldn't do drama in high school because I was so afraid of being called a nerd. Yeah. Right? Limiting yeah. belief. So, so I said, let me try this thing. So I, I had, uh, I had some money for. I was, I was in international business and finance. So I was going to Belize for an exchange program that summer, and I already had my my money set aside for that from from my loans. I took it and I moved to L.A. Limiting belief says, uh, I, again, I'm, I'm from here. I, I've, I've grown up around most – it's fairly common for friends of mine to be on public <clears throat> assistance to have lived that life. You know what I mean? It, that, that, that was the environment. The fuck am I thinking moving out to Hollywood? I don't know anybody. What makes me – I could have very easily fallen into the limiting belief that I don't belong here. And you know what? Subconsciously, I felt that a lot. But weren't you excited? I was extremely excited. I was driven by I was so that that's the thing is we can we can supersede these limiting beliefs by belief, you know? Like and by just adrenaline and passion, like if if we have these things then we can supersede the limiting beliefs. At a certain point you got to tell the limiting belief to fuck off. You're not my truth. Yeah. You know, my quest and my curiosity for the unknown has always been uh, a good fuck you to the limiting beliefs. Do I have, did I have some that probably paralyzed me? Sure. The upbringing ones, you know, my parents were always the, you know, play it safe, do this and do that. But I mean, I graduated with like a 1.9 and like I waited for my dad to come back from Florida and like middle, like that summer of after I graduated, I just moved out to Colorado and like, Loved it. Absolutely loved it. And, like, I love seeing other places. And, like, I had a goal and different plans and stuff. And, you know, criminal activity kind of took the forefront when I was younger. I wanted money. Uh, not having money growing up, um, criminal activity was always more... Fuck, it was... You got paid good. It was a necessity. You know? It was a necessity. Like you got paid good, you know, and, like... I remember like working at Applebee's out in Colorado, like as a prep cook, and I'm like, I'm like, kind of like part time in like part time slinging bows, and like I'm working at Applebee's part time making riblets and shit. And <laughs> I was like, like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Riblets like, is a funny word. <laughs> it's not even real rib, dude. <laughs> it's like it's I don't. It was just weird, and and I was like, what are you doing, like? You're washing floor mats. Like I, I spent a lot of time in kitchens, 
And and I just was like, I'd rather just go sell weed and do that thing and do what criminals do. And, you know, there was no parental supervision around. There was no family. So I never had anyone chirping in my ear. You know, to tell you otherwise. To tell me otherwise. Yeah. And, you know, I really enjoyed what I did. You know, I enjoyed that shit. I enjoyed being free. I enjoyed having free, money. Yeah. I enjoyed not, you know, being part of the system. Like, I still, I still enjoy not being part of the system. I still seek self-employment and opportunities of that nature. I absolutely can't stand being a boss or, like, having a boss that tells me what to do. When I work for myself or I'm owning my own business, I'm my own boss. Other people's beliefs don't come into play. You know, it's it's all based on, like, the experience I've had throughout my life and what success looks like to me and how my beliefs have changed. I can apply. I can completely apply all the spiritual principles that I've been taught into every aspect of my life and unravel all the beliefs of society and the norms and not even ha- and not even make them applicable like rewire it completely to fit what I want how I want things to be you know and it was interesting I went to this um it was a spiritual awakening expo it was over I want to say the Double Tree downtown. This guy, Flower of Life. Were yesterday? No, no. This was like two years ago in November. They put they put an expo on like twice a year, and my Reiki healer was like, "Ah, you should like the the price tag for the expo is like four hundred dollars a ticket." And I was like, uh, "You know, oh, I don't know about that." And she was like, "Why don't you volunteer? If you volunteer, you can go and like it's like free." So I went. And there was like a lot of cool stuff and just just a higher level consciousness and, and everyone's operating on a whole different vibration and a whole different frequency there. But there was this guy, I met him and he, he kind of, there's like a lot of vendors and stuff there. And he said he worked for like, he, he pretty much sold, like did this avatar course program. And I was like, well, what's that? And he said, it's a program about rewiring your belief system and it shows you how you came up with your beliefs to begin with your story yeah so he shot me this thing i don't know he shot me this email and it had like a couple work worksheets on it and stuff and then he called me about it and it surprised me because like in five minutes after i did the worksheet like he was able to say like how did you come to that belief and then once you tell them, well, how did that belief come to them, or how did you how did you come to this belief? And then start asking, like, do you believe that belief is true? Do you actually believe that? Yeah. Do you believe that? And and just start to rewire, like, show me how like a lot of my wiring was like, kind of like singed, like the wires had been frayed in mm-hmm. certain areas, and I was like, wow, this is like, you know, I was like, this is like some deep shit. You know, and then like I was like, "How much is this course?" And then it was like four thousand dollars. I was like, uh, "Yeah, you know, like I'm not, wow. like you know, I'm not gonna do that." But I, I really, you know, it was funny because then I looked it up after that, and the Avatar course was part of the Scientology. The creators of the Avatar were the same guys that came up with Scientology, hmm. and the whole kind of Milky Way. Galactic yeah, yeah, yeah. experience. No, not thing. the actual Scientology, right? Yeah, yeah, the yeah, L. Ron Science, Hubbard yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. I, really? I was looking up. I was looking it up before I got here, and uh, it was interesting. <clears throat> well, on that, I just wanted to bring up. You know, we jumped right into this, and I just wanted to mention what a belief is is something that we think is true. It's as simple as that. Yeah. There are a lot of things that we believe. Basically, everything that you think is a belief of one sort or category or another. Uh, and I think the, the two major ones that are usually talked about is like the, the physical belief and the, the abstract belief. So I have a physical belief that there's a tree outside and my car's next to it. We can go check that. We can all agree on that by our senses, right? 
And then there's an abstract belief where right. I think I believe I'm a good person, but that's more subjective, not as objective, right? Yeah, but then you can get into different stuff. Like if we ask, like, well, what color is the tree? Sure. And you have one version of your color and I have my version. And well, and then we get into it. quantum physics and we can say, well, there is no tree. Yeah. There's a, there's there's quantum it's fluctuation. If you believe it's particles. a projection of a reality. If you believe in quantum physics and if you believe in mathematics. Right. Yeah, that's a belief as well. Right. And what I wanted to say was the, the limiting belief. There's, so there's a ton of different types of beliefs, obviously. And you're talking about limiting beliefs. Those are those are things that you believe about yourself or about the world that would limit you from being your the best version of yourself possible. Okay. And then clearly there's there's beliefs that would help you. Right. Uh, non-limiting I, beliefs. I, I believe compassion is the bind, binding force of the universe. I believe that that there's enough evidence to support that. Mm. Could I be wrong? I always have to allow for that space to be wrong. But does that belief does that belief hurt or help me? It, it makes me a better person. And that's where this what Sean was just talking about, like the inventory of your beliefs, is very important too. Well, and that's what I got because that's what I wanted to speak on is a uh, cognitive process in therapy was exactly that. It was questioning your belief systems. So um, I'm taught immediately in cognitive process in therapy. I felt this. I felt this emotion. What was this real? Is this really attached to what's going on right now, or does it belong someplace else? And then, you know, through cognitive process and therapy, I got to trigger moments in my life, and I could say, "Nope, that's a fear of abandonment. That's a fear of abandonment." I, there was no reason for me to act the way that I did in this moment or feel the way that I did in this moment. That feeling came from a very real place, but it doesn't exist in the now. So, just an example is uh, actually, I have a question about that. So, if you have the fear of abandonment. What is the belief that is underlying that, do you think? Well, the, and I, I'll go into this whole thing right now because I just talked about it last night at uh, Darmagate. And uh, so consciously, I don't believe any of the bullshit that's still lodged in my subconscious. I still have to contend with it because it's still the automated response. Still there, still occupies 95% of the, the brain power that's going on. Mm. We know this. So – and the whole point of mindfulness is to get your, your conscious self uh, to work in tandem with your lower self and find a way to, to get that balance. But so for me, I was taught through abandonment, through rejection, through abuse, uh, through neglect, through all these things that you need as a child that happened. Now, and it only takes one parent to do that, right? All these things that happened taught me that I was a piece of shit. And he would say it directly. I mean, who says that to a kid? You're a piece of shit. You're always going to be a piece of shit just like me. Because my mom would always say, well, you can do whatever you want. I opted to go with what she told me, right? Because, you know, it was real easy to vilify him. But this very much still exists in my subconscious that I'm not worthy of anything. And I was talking about how I'm walking around this when I got the new house. I'm walking around the space. And it's, you know, more than double the size of of the old house and and it's it's a beautiful home and I, I initially I'm trying to talk myself well maybe I can't afford this well I can't afford it you know what I mean but I was just coming up with all these reasons to not make that move then I when the kids left it's just me in this space and I start feeling I start feeling the feeling coming on this this loneliness this disconnection that's a dangerous place that's a very dangerous place for me if I'm not aware of it because what comes next is I wind up on the tenth story of that burning building, and now I got I got to jump, I got to jump, or I got to I got to try to fight it, which I can't, or I freeze or I collapse, you know. So now I'm without recognizing these these symptoms, these things that are still these these limiting beliefs that are still very much lodged in my subconscious. I, I'm in danger, right? And and I'm you know maybe with PTSD it's an extreme version, or with alcoholism it's an extreme version, but these are all very beautiful conditions that bring to light the fact that you've got these beliefs lodged in your subconscious, and they're way more powerful than you are when you're not aware of them. So what that what that comes to is I don't want to be rejected. You know what I mean? But I don't care about that anymore. Consciously, I've transcended that. Subconsciously. There's something that goes off in my brain that says, you've worked hard for this house. This was the logical next step. You've been wanting to move for years. This is great for the kids. So many good things about it. 
why do you feel disconnected now? And it's because I feel undeserving. Consciously, do I believe that shit? Fuck no. And so, but with mindfulness, I was able to get to this. This okay? I feel like I don't deserve this. I still, my subconscious still believes that I'm a piece of shit. I'm unworthy. I don't deserve it. So, what do you say to yourself? Well, I, I have to go through the the cognitive processes and therapy questions. Is this real? What is this? Because it, it wasn't real. Because like I would be like, God damn, it's about motherfucking time. You know, like. I would switch – I switch my perspective when old limiting beliefs start to like poke their head out. Like I know when that's – when it's coming. Like I can – like the the thought process starts to kind of like chip, chip, chip and like I just reverse it now. Like I completely try to change any of that old thinking bullshit that no longer serves me. When when you guys talk about this, but you have you, to be mindful to do that. You, oh, do you feel that it's more of a lens that you're looking through, like these beliefs that are yeah. bad in the back? Are they more of a lens or are they more of? So yeah, there's two lenses you can look through. There's only two lenses: the higher self and the lower self. Mm-hmm. And or an expectation, a lens, or an expectation. I, I, don't, I don't know. If, I don't know if there's only two lenses. Uh, I think there's. I think. I think the lens can shift. Well, if if you think about it like a lens, it's a thinking thing. It's like you think this is bad. You think it's going to end up like this. Whereas if it's more of an expectation because of a belief, it's like this is going to turn out bad because of these 25 reasons. So check this out. It was, it was real interesting the other day. So I've been, you know, I'm a member of Alcoholics Anonymous and I've been a member for a real long time and I am extremely happy, uh, all that they've taught me and given me, um, Outside of the book of Alcoholics Anonymous, there have been things and beliefs that people have made up that have become like commandments through time. And and I believed a lot of these commandments and, and I needed to in the early days because I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't strong enough. To go experience reality out on my own, I surrounded myself with everyone in recovery. I did not wander too far away from that. In doing that, I I caused a bubble. I caused a bubble-type reality, and I shut a lot of reality off if you weren't connected to some form of recovery. <laughs> Last week, as I'm going through all this stuff, you know, I was telling you guys about my week. I was seeing how a lot of those beliefs that had been handed down to me by elders of Alcoholics Anonymous may have limited a lot of the experience of life that I wanted to. You know, the true reason, like back in the day, they gave you that big book. You read it. You worked it. It's done. You go live your life. You, you're, you're free to go live your life. You know you're an alcoholic. You know you can't drink. You know it's all contingent on a spiritual condition. Go do whatever you want to do. But now, over time, they're like, you can't go to wet places or be around wet faces. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't. You can't. You can't. So I took all those beliefs of I can't. And I started ditching them a long time ago, but it became real. I don't know why the other day, like it was actually the Christmas Eve service. I rolled up out of unity and I had thought about it and I thought like, God, this is a gigantic fucking world. Like I've really kind of felt like I've been in a bubble a little bit. With infinite possibilities. With infinite possibilities. But when you have limiting beliefs – that infinite there is no it, infinite. there is no infinite it's it, fine there's like you might have like 10 yeah well because it's uh, exclusive it, right, right right it excludes so, all the things that are right. bad right exactly so instead of inclusive so i started to like really look at like how my beliefs needed to be rerouted and like because like i've always been about believing that anything is possible i built my whole life since I was six years old, that miracles happen all the time and that you are completely accessible to as many miracles as you want to happen in your life at any given time. There is no 
number <laughs> that you are granted. They're, they're unlimited. And you have the power to channel as much of that power as you need. But when you start incorporating limiting beliefs, that miracle power is now also going to become limited. My abundance and my prosperity is going to be limited. Well, because in limited beliefs, you live in lack and limitation. Right. And God don't speak English. The universe don't speak English. It's frequency. No, no. So you're emitting lack and limitation. Right. What's what you're going to get. And I'm free. I need to always remember that I'm free. Your but, subconscious doesn't remember that. No. And, and a lot of times when you suffer from any kind of uh, mental illness or addiction or alcoholism, it's like I'm. You look at yourself as like you're contaminated, you know, like, like, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that, and then my brain starts to go from there and take that. I can't do this and I can't do that, and then spider web it around, mm -hmm. and then start to create delusions that ain't even fucking based in truth. Next thing you know, you know, I'm all alone. Or I'm only with a certain people who do certain things all the time, and I'm shutting myself off from the whole. Other now you're realm. a Republican or a Democrat, right, or right. A, you know what I mean. Now you're in you these know, categories, I, I, and that's what you are. And everything, and it, does, it truth be told, it makes your decision making easier. You don't have to think much if you put yourself into a box. And some people oh, would rather that. some people yeah. would rather live in a box yeah. because I don't have to think that much. I can do my nine to five. I can go home. I can binge watch net Netflix or go do happy hour or whatever the vice is. And uh, and I'm living. I'm living a good life. I'm, you know, this is what I was supposed to do. I was supposed to have. I've these got kids the health care. My four hundred one's yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. But meanwhile, they're they're you know they're indulging in, in compulsions because they the the truth is they don't know they're suffering. They don't know they're suffering because they've limited themselves. We were talking about this yesterday too at Dharmagate. And uh, so there's a section in the book that says recovery is possible. Well, we did a, uh, did a meditation on attachment. It was an attachment meditation. And it said to go deep and, and uh, look at the things that you are still attached to. And for me, what came up is, you know, it goes back to walking through the house and feeling like there's, a, there's, a, uh, there's an abyss about to happen. If I if I don't get on my spiritual game, I'm going down a bad road for no reason because everything was beautiful. It, it, was, it was perfect. So I, I, I lost my point now. What's a bad road? You're going down the bad road. Any road in Michigan. Like, like, yeah, well, yeah. well, not <laughs> just like, to me. Like, what, like, like when my subconscious wants to be like, oh, you're going to go down a, a wrong road. To me, like I've been down so many fucking wrong roads in my life. It's like, well, what the – it can't be any worse than the ones before. Oh, but it can. You might not come back from this road. But that's th the road I'm talking about. But then, like you know, I'll just figure that I'm on. I'll meet me on the other side. You know, like that fear of believing that it's the end if I go down this road totally throws out my whole concept of faith. Like, like, I, dude, I put faith in, in my, like, I inject that into my blood system, like, every morning and every evening. Like, I live by those principles that we were guided with and that I was, you know, either taught through others or just how God has expressed himself through me in my own life. So, like, as, if I go down that wrong road, I know that God's with me on that road. I've been down that road more times than I can count. More times, I've almost died more times than I can count. And... And it, it, and I can attribute that to my willingness to sit with the devil in, in the desert for forty, you know, and be tempted. Yeah. You know, I, I'm for me, I had to test these limits, and and I did. But I can make a choice not to go down that road. Now I can. Now I have the 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 mental capacity and the mindfulness available to me to where I don't have to go down that road. I'll go down it if need be, but but I also I also can make a choice. Where before I couldn't make a choice because I didn't even know I was going down the road because I didn't know what was happening that was leading to that place. So yeah, it, I mean the, the only road like I mean like I don't go down the road of like so much road up a talk. Drink, you know like well that's what I'm talking about. Did you, like you, that I know where that road goes you right know, like that, that, that's I, what I I'm saying I know I know where that road goes. I don't yeah. want to go there like I, that that's I, mean, that I know where that road be. goes I don't need to go down that one anymore I've experienced that shit I know where that street is yeah that avenue. 
I mean, it gets to a dead end real fast too, and then you're like, "Whoa!" What the and fuck? and it may be a dead end. That's and that's the point. That's why you choose not to go down that road anymore. I have kids. I have this. I have that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, any anything like the alcohol, like I just, you know, I've given it every opportunity to work in my life, and it just beats the fuck out of me so fast. Well, you know. And that, that's, that's what I was talking about is where it says recovery is possible, but we did the meditation on attachment. And all I could come up with is I'm v- still very much attached subconsciously to this faulty programming. Not consciously. That's where the work comes in. That's where I have to, I have to, I have to train my subconscious mind that, no, you're safe. We're in, you're, we're in a different place now. We can, you know, I, I, I can't, I can't kill the ego. But I can talk to the ego and say, look, we're, we're good, man. We don't need that thinking. But so in the attachment meditation, that's what I came up with, right? And that's the truth. That's really my only – because I know better. I live the, the, the principle of non-attachment, not subconsciously. I, I'm still attached very much to the idea that I'm a piece of shit, right? Subconsciously, not consciously. So then the, we read a chapter out of the book next and it was recovery is possible. And then I'm, my my uh, my whole take on that is well, recovery, true recovery, because the only recovery for me now is spiritual recovery. It's enlightenment. It it's nothing else. It's not. I I don't need to stay away from drugs or alcohol or sex or these compulsions. I do, but that doesn't need to be my primary focus. That's not where the recovery lies. That's step one to recovery. The real recovery for me now is transcendence. I want to embody Christ consciousness before I leave this plane. So, and I and my comment was, well, recovery is only possible if you know what you're recovering from. What truly, because the suffering was was eminent long before you picked up a drink, long before you had this compulsion or that compulsion, you you did those things because you suffered. I didn't know I was suffering. I had a high threshold for pain. I was in denial. I had built this image of myself that's, you know, I did everything in my power to say, I'm not poor. You can't reject me. You need me for this, this, and this. And it was all a defense mechanism. But, but I was in pain. Like I, I was in pain and I, I didn't realize I was suffering and my ego had protected me so well that it was hard to tell my ego that had done these amazing things for me that it was wrong in any way, shape or form. So I couldn't believe that I was suffering. And when somebody said you're codependent, fuck out of here with codependent. I didn't even know what it meant, but I, I, I does that mean I depend on people? Fuck you. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so all ego, all ego. I think that brings up an interesting thing. What you guys were talking about a couple minutes ago, um, with beliefs, there's it seems to be that there's two different type, two different ways to get them. Right? You have your environment, like your parents, your yeah. caregivers when you're young. That's your, primary. Your friends from the your third family. trimester till you're three years old. You're programmed. You have you have your operating system that you're gonna have to either that you're either gonna adhere to. Or you're going to suffer enough trauma to where you say this operating system's faulty. Well, I got to change it. Getting to like, so you have your instilled ones, mm-hmm. right? You know, like these are the things that we're teaching you. These are the things you're going to believe through throughout your life. And then there's things that you figure out on your own. Things that you experience, like you know, if your dad's not there a lot, he hasn't said like I don't care about you, but you sort of intuit that my dad doesn't care about me or something like or that. Or I'm not worthy of it. Right. I don't get paid. Yeah. yeah. You very rarely get just one belief at a time, right? It's usually a big package of nonsense. Like, oh, he doesn't care about me. Also, I'm unworthy of love. Right. Also, I'm a piece of shit. You know, just a huge package of them. And depending on the extent of that, you okay. know, and, and this is where they, you know, it's called disorganized attachment where your caregivers are both the source of your your life, right? They they feed you, they give you your diapers, and they they no matter how bad any parenting was for any of us that are speaking at this age right now, somebody fed our asses, somebody put us in diapers. We got clearly here, right. So so that, that 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 goes back to the whole compassion being the binding force of the universe because there's crackhead moms out there that still find a way to put food on their kids' table. There's some that don't, but. But yeah, yes, society has compassion. You know, they'll step in and sometimes be able to save a baby in that in that circumstance. You know, the thing is, it's it is and in, it's instilled. We're programmed. We're programmed with this operating system, and it's not maliciously by our parents. They were programmed, right? So 
Yeah, the hope is shaped. that each generation moves up. Like, you know, my, my kids have a much different life. Am I perfect as a father? No. I think I'm pretty damn good, you know. But, but there's some things that I'm going to figure out later. That wasn't the right way to handle that. Do you teach your kids to be open to new programming? Absolutely. I teach them to question everything. Question me. Sometimes I'm wrong. Like I'll have these conversations with them and say, look, am I, the other day I'm like, am I doing something wrong? Like you guys got to tell me because if I don't understand, I, you know, I'm not perfect and the world's not perfect either. And don't just listen to everything that everybody tells you. Listen, but question. Always question. Skeptical. Yeah. Not skeptical. Don't be skeptical. Just question. Questioning is skepticism. No, curious. Skepticism is negative. Skepticism. No, it's not negative. Yeah, skepticism is negative. Curiosity and skepticism. I mean, like, if if you tell me, like, the street is clear, I'm skeptical, I'm going to take a look. That's double checking. Skeptical. Tell me this. It it does come from next. This tells me that the street's clear. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that the street's clear. You know, I guess it all comes. But from, what if uh, what if all, his left eye was hurt the other day and he forgot about it and he can't see out from the left? He was telling you that what he thought was true, but the street isn't actually clear. Wouldn't you be really be grateful like, that you're skeptical? Did you look at, <laughs> <laughs> or did you hurt your eye the other day? I just, I guess just, it all comes from like past experience with people and situations that form our beliefs. Absolutely, you know. Yeah. So I agree. You know, it's like. You know, it can create trust issues. Well, oh, it's, yeah. oh, society it's like, very much supports you know. these belief systems, right? Because when we have these belief systems, they can sell to us. Yeah. We mm-hmm. believe certain things. We believe we're supposed to have that house with the picket fence and the two cars. And the, well, that's what you said earlier, the categories. Yeah. You know, like what kind of magazine are you going to buy? Well, you know, I know you really well, so you're going to be buying the blah, blah, blah magazine. If you fit because in that box, they can you're sell to you. in that box, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's what these belief systems do is they put you in the box that you were talking about, mm-hmm. and and I then think it's by design. Sometimes it really feels like it, like the news oh, yeah. and the media, especially, it divides you and well, gets that, you into little boxes is. so they can talk to you directly more. That is, but the human condition isn't. We've evolved. <clears throat> We've evolved as a species, and. We were, we're much different and far more enlightened now than we've ever been, even though it doesn't seem like it sometimes. We have a lot more information. There's a lot more people trying to, to reach transcendence and enlightenment. They know what those words mean. But but it's – so for, for me, and this is a belief system, I believe that that whatever God is, whatever the universe is, whatever that, that source is, whatever it is, it's not done evolving yet. And our – our purpose here as manifestations, individualized manifestations of that source, is to transcend these things that are human. These because we're dualistic. That's why I say there's only two lenses. You're either looking through the lens of the ego or the higher self. That's it. That's it. There's really no other way you can look at things but those two ways. So you got your lower self thinking at the the physical plane. You got your belief systems right, and then you have the I am, and the I am. Is the I am, is the I am, is the I am. And everything is possible. Infinite possibilities. You can walk on water. You can raise the dead. You can, those things happen when you have that belief system in place. The problem is, as much as I believe everything, the, the teachings of Christ, even before, you know, because I'm not religious, but when I heard them, I understood them as if I wrote them. I resonated with these concepts. I'm like, I believe that. Subconsciously, I don't believe that shit. You know, that's why I can't, I can't, I can't walk on water because I don't believe I can walk on water. And even if I say, you know what, I believe Christ walked on water, my subconscious says, well, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. It's been programmed to believe that all of this is real. You know, and that's why for you know, me, the walking on water was a metaphysical metaphor. Well, I'm sure it was, but maybe it wasn't. <laughs> maybe it wasn't. Maybe the dude did walk on water. And in this, this is where this is what quantum physics has done for me in terms of spirituality. Is it opened up the realm of everything that I considered woo woo before walking on water? And all. the truth is, the only reason we can't pass through these walls right now is the Pauli exclusion principle, right? Where our our electrons can occupy the same space. Is that we're not really sitting on these chairs. There's electrical impulses that you know that have us placed a nanometer above because our electrons can't occupy the same space. Now, 
if you could train yourself to believe otherwise, right? Because you can, in string theory, would say that you can shift. Um, all, all, all subatomic particles can be shifted from one to another, depending on the frequency in which you fling the string that creates that subatomic particle. So, so when I when I got into quantum physics, I'm like, well, if you truly believed you can walk on water and you didn't have a subconscious mind telling you otherwise, you could walk the fuck on water. There's nothing in the laws of physics that really say you can't do that. There are. In, in yeah, New, Newtonian physics, there there kind of is. Like if you listen to a quantum physics guy that does the math all day, he'll say, you know, there's the quantum physical level where the waves and the probabilities are, and then there's like 400 different levels where we are in the macro universe, and there's no way for that kind of behavior to jump from the quantum level to here. It's never happened. But it's it has. It's never been if it looked did, at or seen. If Christ really walked on water, it uh-huh. didn't. You know what I mean? If he really raised someone from the dead, it had. Sure, but I mean, it's the difference between, you know, one quantum thing, which is like really plank tiny or whatever, doing a disappearance and moving over here to a hundred trillion, 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 trillion of them doing the exact same thing at the same time. No, it would take a massive shift to, yeah, yeah, to be able to. And that's where the frequency is. We are locked into a certain frequency. Right. And or a certain even, probability, maybe. Well, it is a certain because yeah. it's all probability, right? And and that's the thing is everything's probability. So why the fuck do we get stuck in these beliefs? Well, we have no choice. We have no choice. It's just how it is. I think a lot of them get reinforced through media and TV. Absolutely, watch a lot of that shit. Whatever belief system. I mean, a lot of people probably get their belief system from watching the news and watching TV. Sure. You get a lot from living too, like the whole going back to the walking on water. I've never seen anybody walk on water. Never heard of anybody except for one guy in a book written two thousand years ago. No one else has ever seen anything like that. No one's heard of it. That's it. I mean, that's that's my expectation is that human beings cannot walk on pieces of water. It's just impossible What's because it's never Remy, happened. Remo Williams. What is it? Remo Williams, the ninja in that movie. <laughs> Walked on water. I swear to God, it was. See, that, but that's that's the difference, though. Like, so I, you're probably more of a materialist than I am, and, and to me, everything sprung forth from consciousness. More of an evidential evidentialist. Like, I, I base my life off of evidence. What yeah, I've seen, evidence based theory, how it works. Like, yeah. if I drop that, it's going to hit the ground. It's very unlikely to hit the ceiling. Yeah, that's what I am, I guess. But that exists in the material realm, not in the quantum realm. And and this is a quantum system, you know what I mean? So well, then I exist in a quantum system, then. Well, we are we're all quantum systems, right? right? So, if, so if, not outside of it, just because I'm a evidential. I can't even say the word. Well, <laughs> seeing you know, that, that's the funny thing is there's no difference between a quantum quantum system and a spiritual being. There's not. It's just a matter of terminology. So I I believe that everything springs forth from consciousness. Conscious interaction is what these subatomic particles did through the source to be able to get to where we are. They all consciously interact. It's not the same level of consciousness that humans have. We can contemplate our existence. But an ant knows how to work with another ant, right? It, it, it doesn't exist at the same level of consciousness that we have, but it embodies consciousness, you know? Yeah, it must do, right? It's doing things. Yeah, so anyway, back to the the whole quantum thing. Yeah, it's very it's something's holding this this uh frequency together in the way that it is and we're part of this frequency and and my belief is and this is a belief when you achieve Christ level consciousness, you got to go. You have no business here anymore. And with with Jesus Christ, just Jesus of Nazareth cuz Christ isn't really a last name, but so he was trained by the – if you really read the story of Jesus, you get outside of the Bible and the, the religious context, he was trained by the ancient Essenes. The Essenes were all about empowerment. They only existed for about four centuries, disappeared after, after the uh, crucifixion, crucifixion of Christ. So if you take a child from a manger and you tell this child that you are this – and that's all that child knows, that child will be that. That's what I believe, and I believe quantum physics supports that. I believe you can walk on water if you don't have the, the subconscious programming that tells you you can. And I believe quantum physics supports that as well. 95% of our external environment is determined by our subconscious. There's 
uh, I believe it's 40 million neurons firing per second as opposed to 40,000 in our conscious minds. So when we feel stress and anger and all these other things, we revert to autopilot. You know, it's kind of like when you, you're driving, you're driving down the, the highway and you just missed three miles because you're, 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 you're an autopilot. You went someplace else. That's what happens when we get mad. We revert to our, our old mechanisms, our belief systems and, and it guides us, right? So we got a lot to contend with just from a quantum physics perspective, from a spiritual perspective to be able to, it takes the amount of work that it would take to overcome because I don't think Gandhi did. I don't think Martin Luther King did. They did great things, but they were still very human and still very caught in the physical universe, right? So since Christ, and this is if everything about Christ is true, since Christ, there hasn't been another human being that's, that's transcended the earth plane. I think it's hard to... Uh ignore the humanness when you have like technology or media like there was no cameras around when jesus was doing what he was doing there was just a centralized amount of people in a given area you know martin luther king and gandhi i mean like the whole world knew what was going on like Mm -hmm. the whole world had their eyes on them so you're going to have some form of like humanness when lower vibrational beings are asking you questions. You know what I mean? Jesus Jesus was taught by the Essenes to speak to lower vib- vibrational beings. Right. So It's also easier to exaggerate when you know nobody's around. Right, and, and your right. stories handed down through yeah, yeah. writing over years and years—it's really easy to exaggerate compared to now, where right. there's cameras everywhere. It's hard to say. Like, oh, you hey, can still exaggerate. I, I, uh, you, you, can, you can still. <laughs> I wish sensation a miracle. Yeah, but there's aliens everywhere. But you know, we can't get pictures of them ever. Stuff like that. There's pictures. Did you see the Pope slap that lady the other day? I missed that. She like grabbed his arm and tried to pull him in the audience, and he slapped her hand like, "Quit that." <laughs> Oh, I heard about that. Yeah. yeah, I heard about that. It was just it was just weird seeing somebody that's, you know, so holy and and the freaking pope, dude, and he's slapping a woman like, "Stop that." <laughs> I, I might have slapped her hand too. Don't grab me. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I, my humanness comes out every every day I'm driving, you know, and somebody some does something that I consider stupid. My yeah. belief system is that you're an asshole for driving that way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Is that, that where your mind goes? They're an asshole? It depends on the day. That That's when I have to do an inventory on myself because sometimes I'll go straight to piece of shit. I always say what they're the drunk. Fuck, I, my mind just says they're drunk. You must be drunk. <laughs> like every time. It could be 9 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, must be drunk. Must be drunk. It was uh, that's Rever- where I go too. I'm Reverend like, yeah, Tutu and drunk the, or something. Reverend Tutu and the uh, I think it was the Dalai Lama. They had this. Uh, they got this book together. It's a great book. Something about joy. I can't remember the title. But uh, but the guy who narrated the book wrote the book. He picked up Desmond Tutu from from the airport, and and uh, Desmond decided to drive, and and this uh, he gets cut off bad to the point where they almost get in an accident. Mm. And he's like, I was really interested to see how this how this this man, this spiritual guru. How he was going to react to that, and he smiled. The guy smiled and said, nah, "I don't know. Maybe his wife's sick at the hospital. He's rushing. You know what yeah, I mean? There's yeah. there's a different way you can look at things. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I, people are assholes. But why why would you opt to go with the negative? And that's when I have to start checking myself. When you know I'm I'm in in all these meetings all the time and writing these things and posting these things and I got this book where I believe certain things and it's all about the good goodness and humans." But my gut response is to react with piece of shit. That's pretty harsh. Or maybe you should just change that belief and just be like, man, I hope they get to where they're going okay. That's the training. Yeah. That's the, And that's that 5% that you need to have access to to tell that 95%. Sometimes I can do that. Sometimes I'll be like, man, I hope they get to where they're going or I hope everyone's okay. You know, but it's not every time. But I can still throw it in there. I work it in there. I try to. I always kind of after the fact. Like hindsight's twenty twenty. So I always will do an inventory when I see that type of anger come up. 
that I know I know something's off. It's not connected to reality. That yeah, reminds yeah, me I'm, of, I'm frustrated, but I don't have to call you a piece of shit. I don't even know you. It's just yeah, it's that uh, adrenaline that gets into you too. But I, uh, David Foster Wallace wrote a, <laughs> a college commencement speech and turned it into a book called This Is Water, and he talks about just that. <laughs> Uh, being in a in a line of people at the grocery store and everything, and there's five or six people in front of you, and you're like, "What are all these goddamn people doing here? They're fucking irritating me." Why are like, the lines blah. open? And then he jumped into another person's head, and it's this woman who just lost her father, and she's trying to get home to him, you know, to her sons, and take care of him. And the person in front of her just lost her mother. You just don't know other people's stories, yeah. and if you don't train yourself or do your best to not have that really negative thing, you're just going to be really fucking miserable a well, lot. From these belief systems comes expectation. Right. And expectation will kill you. <clears throat> expectation is where attachment comes from. Because I was taught that you shouldn't drive that way. So now I believe that. So now when you do, you're doing something that directly, negatively affects my world. And you're not supposed to. You know, I... My kids are supposed to go to college. No, they're not. No, they're not. They might have other things that they want to do that's more important. But I can have that expectation there and I can pawn that off to them. I can make their their lives real fucking difficult because I put this into them. And then now they feel like a shitty person because they didn't do what was expected of them. So that's attachment. You know, you expect – I can go through any of my past relationships and and I expected them to treat me a certain way and and they expected the same. And most of the conflict came from the fact that, number one, we never talked about what our expectations were because you just think it's supposed to be that way. Mm-hmm. And when it's not that way, you're wrong. I'm right. Fuck you. You know what I mean? Because you're stuck in the belief system. You believe it. It's the absolute truth as far as you're concerned. You're not willing to look beyond that. Yeah. And a lot of times it takes therapy. And clearly we're never wrong. No. Yeah. I mean, not not in the belief system. The I is never wrong about anything. Talk, talk to a, 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 a Jesus fanatic, right? Try to have a, a conversation with them. And so, so you're saying the people that have never heard about Jesus Christ and that that they can't be good people and that, well, they can't get to heaven. What the fuck is that? What, where do you? Where does that even make sense? If you talk about all knowing, all loving, all powerful, it's written in the book, right? It's you know in what the I'm book. saying? <laughs> but that's everybody, a belief system. Everybody goes to hell. Just leave it alone. God, if you're not baptized, yeah, yeah, yeah you don't get in. Well, that's Catholicism, not Christianity, right? Yeah. Uh, Baptism? I don't even know. Uh, yeah, I think it's Catholic. Catholics baptize. Catholics get baptized. Lutherans? Catholics had the hard thing where, you know, for the longest time, they're like, so yeah, Baptist. everybody goes to hell. And, you know, all the Catholics were just like bummed all the time. Like, oh, God, well, I'm going the original to hell. Sin. Nothing you're, that you're, I can do. The original sin. Number one, they're taught wrong. They're taught that sin is bad. <clears throat> Sin in Aramaic was is an archery term that means miss the mark. So when Christ talked about it, that's all he was saying. We missed the mark. Well, yeah, we missed the mark. That's a lot. That's a lot more empowering thing to say to a person than you're born an original sinner, and unless you bow to this, we, 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 but in the same book it says don't worship false yeah. idols. Unless you bow to this and worship and you do these rituals. You can't get there. If you don't come talk to me in this little box and confess to me, you're fucked. There's no way you're getting to heaven. You better confess. You know, and there's, it's, I'm not trying to bash the rituals, but belief systems. Belief systems will keep you stuck. Keep you stuck. You know, it was interesting yesterday when I was at the burning bowl ceremony and Reverend Glenn, he, you know, what, what, repent, uh, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I was always like, repent. I was like, what? And he said that repent merely means to make changes. That's all it means. doesn't mean anything else. And I was like, wow. I thought it meant like say you're sorry to yeah, God or something. Yeah, like, you know, repent your sins and all that yeah. stuff. Like, like apologize like, for all existing. All it means is make changes. I was like, wow, that's good. Hmm. 
And I was like, it was it was real powerful yesterday. You can see how human beings, with the King James Version of the Bible, how that was really used to control, control. the masses. Yeah, that was a big control. That's all it was. And, and the fact that people can fall into these belief systems, especially in the age of information, right? You know, because now ignorance is truly a choice. You can Google Google anything at any given time and choose to believe or not believe. There's there's no reason, you know. It, it sometimes, sometimes I'll catch myself asking a question that I could easily Google myself. Like, why am I doing that? Well, you sometimes know, it's nice to discuss things rather than just go right to Google and say, "Nope, it's A B C." Sometimes it's nice to get some ideas about it before you do that. I do that too. Well, some people that's all they do. Or, or they opt. They opt not to seek out information, mm-hmm. and they they opt to stay in the belief system because you know once you open Pandora's box, it's going to take work. It's going to take time. It takes a lot of the magic out of it too. Like from for me going from a kid, like where my mom was a god of the gaps kind of person. So you know if if I asked my mom like, hey, how does this thing work? And she didn't know, and dad wasn't around, she'd say, well, you know, God has a plan for everybody. That sort of thing. So I grew up like that for, I don't know, until I was a teenager and I started saying, wait a minute, I don't actually know the answers to those things that I asked about. Yeah. And that's when the internet was coming out. So I started researching and now I feel like it went from this belief system that was instilled into me or given to me to a belief system that I sort of made on my own. And I think I'm happier about it that way. Like having chose what I believe rather than being given it. <clears throat> and yet, it, there is empowerment in that. Mm-hmm. When I Thank say, you. there Great was a, word. there was a, a point where I had chosen to what I wanted to believe in, but it was still a belief system. It was it was my egoic. You know, it, it was I was I was taught this. Well, I'm I'm going to work in in opposition to that, and it came from a negative place. So I I chose not to believe certain things because I was taught to believe them and now I'm rebelling against that. So that can be negative because mm-hmm. you can get yourself caught in those belief systems too. Like I'm an actor, right? I'm an actor. I'm supposed to make it in Hollywood. Came back to Michigan. Everyone's in my backyard doing movies. You know, and I, I got all the big dogs coming to to me now. Like, hey, you know, let, let's get in financing these movies. And so the incentive gets pulled in 2008 or – 2011 it gets i think it got pulled in 11 for no reason you know the government anyway the point of it is i couldn't get out of my head that i was supposed to make it in this career so i went that's probably as poor as i've ever been as an adult because i wouldn't shift The, the the opportunities were gone in michigan and i had a choice take my kids out to la probably wasn't gonna happen with the mother you know what i mean Leave my kids, be a paycheck dad, go back to L.A. and pursue this dream that really turned out not even being my dream. It was just something fun to do, right? Mm-hmm. But um, but we would have never had to live through that poverty. And I'm glad that we did because because it made me stronger. It, it forced me to – it broke down that belief system in that you're this thing. When people would ask me, well, what do you do? I'm a filmmaker. Or who are you? I'm an actor. You know what I mean? No, no, no. These are things that I do and I can do other things. So through that poverty, through this, you know, this, this collapsing of, of, uh, my ego, I was forced to look outside of the box and, and I, you know, I went and went and within three years, I'm in a business that nobody who knows me from when I was a kid would have ever in a million years thought I'd be in. It's laughable that I own a company that, that does what we do. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I got, as soon as I got out of the belief system that I had created for myself, that I'm an actor, and and I and I had made some strides and had some successes. As soon as I got out of that, I found this other opportunity. It presented itself to me, and I ran with it. And I still act, and I still I do it on my own terms now. You know what I mean? But but you weren't afraid to change. You adapted. I was afraid to change. I was forced into it by the universe. The universe said, "No, yeah. fuck you." You, you know, this is you're the universe going to make you do you, what you got to do. You're either going to live like this, yeah. and you're going to kill yourself because you're going to keep pitying yourself and winding up in the abyss, or you're going to make a change, motherfucker. You know what I mean? That that was it. Yeah. So I made the change, but but that was a belief system that I created for myself, and I couldn't get out of because because of your expectations, right? Because I'm a piece of shit if I don't do what I say. 
You know, going right. back to the the you're a piece of shit, the abandonment, the rejection, going back to all that, and you know the PTSD. That's extreme. So everything's all or nothing. It's fight or flight all the time. I'm always in fight or flight. So. It can't just be, well, I, I had to move from this opportunity to the, to the next opportunity. It's, I'm a fucking piece of shit. I suck as a human. I'm no good. Well, it's yes. been a good one, guys. Yep. Are we, are we done? 30 seconds. I, I, I think, got, 30, 30, I think 30 we're seconds. about ready to wrap up. Yeah. You got anything? I'm good. Uh, yeah, just next time we're on, remember to you know hit us up on Facebook or Twitter or whatever the hell you want happy to. Happy New Year. Happy and, New Year. Yeah, and Happy New Year. Make 2020 perfect vision. <laughs> Perfect vision. Yep. Yep.